Welcome everyone to Overcome Podcast, episode 45. Uh, today, I have a pleasure to talk to my friend, uh, black belt in judo, uh, Dr. Austin Cook. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Hey, Austin. Um, the, the main uh, theme around this podcast is Overcome. And um, practicing judo for so many years and then going to, to the med, uh, medical school, um, I think you can draw some correlations between uh, the life of an athlete and the recovery and some of the injuries. So let's get started with uh, going back a little bit for your uh, days as an athlete. Uh, did you ever had any uh, major injury uh, that you had to, to stop training uh, and then recover for a long time or you were pretty uh, health all the time? Yeah. Um, so when I was younger, uh, one of the reasons I started judo actually was because I injured my knee wrestling. Um, and so that was in some ways the death of one sort of, uh, athletic pursuit I has, but had, but the birth of another. And so started judo. Um, and, uh, that was, that was sort of the, the real only injury I had for a while. Then later on in judo, I did have some more knee surgeries that, which required, um, a meniscal repair and then an ACL uh, reconstructive surgery, and uh, but not not as bad as a lot of other athletes. But the the uh, ACL is and, was uh, caused by uh, uh, a specific movement, or it was just overuse? Yeah, it, it was it was a um, sort of an acute on chronic injury. I uh, had previously had a partial tear, um, and then as my uh, training was escalating, I was getting ready for a tournament and fighting one of my um, one of my teammates who has just spectacular technique and just great judo. I went in for something though. We kind of got, uh, intertwined. Our legs got tied up and then, uh, fell to the mat with them kind of interlocked like that. I heard a pop and, uh, yeah, that, that required a surgery, um, that I was out for six months for, but, uh, yeah, I mean, just as far as though, kind of the grand scheme of things not not as bad as a lot of other athletes have had but at the time it seemed like a yeah but deal. how long it took you for you to be fully recovered and training again you know so uh six months actually which is a little bit atypical uh i i pushed it quite quite a lot uh typically it takes uh for a sport like judo maybe eight eight nine months to really get back to where you're competition ready um but i was sort of nearing the the end of a period where I really had to make a decision whether was I going to go to medical school right away or was I going to uh, continue to do judo and I needed more data before I made that decision and so there was a world cup in El Salvador um, which was my first tournament back so at around six months um, after my surgery and ended up going going to that and ended up going better than I expected it would um, but how, yeah, how, 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 old, how old are you at that time? So I was around, um, that would be 20, 23. Yeah, and the recovery yeah. time during this age is, is, is amazing. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm 30 now, and I can already feel that uh, I'm experiencing the wear and tear of just a lifetime of combat sports, and uh, I, I'm sure I have more to look forward to. Yeah, right? absolutely, absolutely. 
But uh, uh, when you went to, to the medical school, did you uh, study anything specific to athletics uh, or you just start, kind of uh, start pushing to this side just because you like? So uh, the, way, the way it sort of works in um, uh, medical school in the U.S. is it's pretty generalized. You have four years where you just um, have a pretty standardized curriculum compared to everybody else, no matter what specialty you end up going into. Um, I, w I was always interested in, in sports and uh, kind of the, the overlap between medicine and sports, but I don't know. I just never really... I don't know when I when I stopped doing judo, it just kind of uh, at first became just not quite as big of a part of my life, and I think uh, I kind of pushed it to the side, and then ended up sneaking back up on me, and in the last few uh, months, really started getting into it again. And uh, yeah, because you were yeah, you were so you were really circle. focused on 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 your uh, school, which is uh, is great, but. Uh... On the other hand, now that you're done, you're like, wow, I still like doing this thing, right? And I, I and I, and now with this background, this uh, uh, from the school, you can start doing, start putting those both together, right? So what what is really your plan now to align both uh, disciplines, right, uh, uh, in your career? Um, so kind of. Uh... I don't know. I guess if, if I were to judge both uh, sports and healthcare from uh, having not been so immersed in them, I would have thought that they were pretty different, especially a sport like judo, right? Where it's, I mean, it's a combat sport. You're sort of uh, training so that if you get into a situation where you can, if you if it's in a fight, then you can do damage, right? I mean, there's submissions, there's throws. It's a pretty pretty dangerous and pretty pretty violent at times sport. Um, but I think what I liked the most about judo and I always have was uh, just the sort of kind of benefits and both physical and mental health that accompany training um, and both in terms of camaraderie amongst teammates, um, setting goals, accomplishing goals, just the uh, just I mean, natural endorphins that you get that are sort of effectuated by working out and um, in many ways that's that's very similar to what healthcare hopes to provide to people, right, is giving them the healthiest and happiest life possible. And so I think they're actually not not so different after all. And uh, I, I didn't always realize it. I mean, I started judo because I wanted to be able to fight and like, you know, be look cool. And uh, you don't, I, I, I didn't really realize it at the time, but I think it's, yeah, I think it's uh, pretty similar. Well, there, there is also the other aspect, right, uh, which is uh, about, in my in my opinion, is about if you are a doctor focused on athletes, um, you can also help from the longevity perspective, right? What can an athlete do to uh, stay longer in the game uh, over the years? What type of recovery? what type of things that can be done to even prevent injury uh, because I'm pretty sure you've seen many injuries over the years uh, uh, practicing judo not on you but in, on your teammates and in other people right so what can be done to reduce the likelihood of injuries what can be done once your injury to recover faster and come back yeah it's, it's a really good question um, and it's almost uh, there it, it, it's a really broad question because I think 
even kind of just the term injury itself can be broken down into so many different kind of types of, I mean, you can classify it in so many ways, right? You can have injuries to the brain, you can have injuries to your joints, you can have injury to your organs, you can have acute, you can have chronic. And so, um, but I think, I think generally speaking, when we're talking about athletics and sports is the sort of orthopedic injuries that accompany uh, either an acute blow or a sort of gradual wear and tear on a joint. Um, and so acute, acute injury wise, it, it also really depends kind of where it happens um, and depends on the sport. Uh, I mean, so any any particular joint that you had a question? Yeah, no, I, I'd like to, to use your experience, right? What are the, yeah. the most traditional ones that you've seen over the years, for in, in this case, for judo? So in judo, we see a lot of knees, um, right? So ACL, MCL, meniscal tears, uh, typically those, uh, if they're bad enough, they require surgery. The recovery is pretty, uh, pretty similar for, for a lot of them, and sometimes they one co-occurs with the other, right? So you can have an ACL tear and then you can have a meniscal tear that uh, happens at the same time. Um, if you're going to repair the actual structure in the knee that was damaged, um, and so for uh, an ACL, that means just connecting the ligament that was partitioned. Uh, and for a meniscal tear, same thing, except sewing the meniscus back up, the recovery can take around six months um, with meniscal tears or the cartilage in your knee that can become damaged. You have the option to just uh, uh, just take out the portion that was damaged. So, uh, And I had one of those actually too. It's called a meniscectomy. Um, the data is, is pretty good actually. Uh, sometimes there's a little bit of a concern for increased risk of arthritis later down the line, but um, just depends on the situation. That it can be a couple of weeks before you're back working out. So but when the athlete comes back, for example, in your case or in other case, uh, there is any restriction, any limitation, or pretty much can do everything that they, he was able to do in the past? So I think typically, um, I mean, broad strokes, obviously, but I, I think 90, for a young athlete, so in my case, if I was... 23, 24, and this happened, um, you can usually get to about 90% mm -hmm. of, of what you were. Uh, if, if you're lucky, sometimes people can get to 100%. I probably got to 80 or 90, um, but you just adjust whatever your game is to kind of compensate for the loss of, of function in a, a certain realm. So, for example, uh, Tai Toshi, I, I know you. that's how you hurt your ankle, uh, right? Uh, my foot. <laughs> yeah, your yeah. foot, yeah, your foot. Um, uh, I used to do Taitoshi too, and then when I when I uh, hurt my ACL, I couldn't do it anymore just because of the stress that that places on the knee, um, and so I just couldn't do Taitoshi anymore. But wait but a I, minute, you couldn't do it because you felt pain, or because your mind was too concerned to, you know, injury again. It was it was yeah, it was another... more a physical condition or psychological condition. You know, I, I think probably it starts as, uh, uh, well, I guess it can happen both ways, and sometimes it can happen together, right? You try a throw, you sort of feel that twinge, then you second-guess yourself, try it again, and maybe you're primed to be even more sensitive to not wanting to do that movement. Um, I think for me it was mostly physical, and me just 
realizing that, oh, that, that did not feel stable. And then my body kind of just instinctually said, we're not going to go to that position anymore. So maybe, maybe it actually is a little bit of both, but, uh, but, but it it is definitely Um, physical because you said that you felt unstable. So that's a a pretty good trigger, right? You're like, well, this is not unstable. Right, right, right. right. And then, um, yeah. So what about, what about uh, Uchimata? Because Uchimata also, you are with one, one leg only. Yeah. Um, so for me, I'm a righty and it was my right leg. So whenever I, the reaping leg that you, Haragoshi, Uchimata, um, Asutagari, that is typically the one that isn't supporting the body. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. But with Uchimata, sometimes a supporting leg, you're supporting both you and, or your and your opponent's weight. So um, luckily I was a righty and it was my right knee that was damaged. Otherwise, I think I would probably have had to switch to left. Um, but... Yeah. What about you, though? How, how how does your ankle feel when you're on the mat and uh, yeah, getting for, back into for it? Four throws, uh, like Uchimata, I have to go lefty for sure. Uh, but Tayatoshi, yeah. uh, I feel good because I'm a righty, so it's my left leg. So you know, right. it, it doesn't really uh, hurt or anything. And it's it's really not in the ankle itself; it's on the foot, right? Because it's the lean strength. Uh, in the lean strength, is right. like that ligament right on the foot. So it's more on the foot. Now, right. did you lose any mobility uh, on your knee or mobility came back just fine? Yeah, it actually uh, came back pretty well. I was hitting physical therapy really hard. Um, I probably put in maybe three, four hours a day of just uh, actively engaging the joint. And um, I mean, I took it really, really seriously. Uh, so... Yeah, I mean, mobility-wise, it wasn't really... I mean, uh, in ACL reconstructive surgery, often you don't you don't want much mobility, right? Because if there's a lot of mobility in the joint, um, that can sort of be the issue. And, and uh, the sort of point of an ACL is to have the move, have the knee move in a very orchestrated, predefined plane. And um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, yeah. but it's not like that you were, your knee was, uh, you lost the, the, the range of motion that you, you had in the past. So you recovered the entire range of, range right. of motion, right? Right, right. Yeah, range of motion. So like flexion, I had I had full flexion, full extension. Um, and then so uh, if, in terms of if lateral. If you have all that, why did you say that you, you probably hit 89%? Why, why you feel like you never, were, you never were like you were before, like 100%? So... Um, the the ACL it, it plays a, a, a sort of a little bit of a role in, in, in flexing and extending the knee, but uh, the kind of lion's share of the function that it, that it serves within the knee is 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 really preventing the the lateral um, uh, providing lateral stability. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, with Taitoshi, um, if your if your leg is extended uh, and your opponent's weight is on the side where you don't want your leg to bend, um, but it does bend, that, that can sort of be uh, an issue. So, so pivoting in directions quickly, any time where um, you have that lateral stress on a knee, that can, that can stress a knee that doesn't have an ACL and then put it at risk for moving, moving when you don't want movement and then carrying something else. So for example, uh, 
cartilaginous tear or something like that. Do you still feel that uh, today, for example? Because uh, let's say in the last few months, you've been very active training and everything. If you feel good, you feel anything. It's funny. Um, I, I mean, I just don't do certain things right anymore quite as much. Um, but when I made kind of when I transitioned from doing a lot of judo to being in the hospital and sitting down a lot of the time and being at a desk, um, I started having more back pain. And uh, interestingly, my back pain has been getting uh, a lot better ever since I started getting back onto the mat and started rolling and doing jujitsu and judo and wrestling. Um, so, I mean, I'm probably at risk for more acute injuries rather than, or if I would compared to if I was in the hospital, but in terms of a very, like a nagging chronic injury I had for a long time, just my lower back, it's been, it's been better. So, I mean, goes both ways. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, because do you do you believe that uh, lower back uh, injury is is something common, Judah? Because I never heard people having problems with lower back. I've seen I've heard a lot of shoulders problems. Right, I think the lower back injuries, by and large, um, uh, are sort of the result of just a lot of aggregate damage that then presents years later down the line. Um, I mean, just kind of. Uh, I mean, lower back pain uh, is a, a broad topic, but uh, probably, assuming it's not a muscle spasm or muscle pain, mm -hmm. you can have an issue with the joint itself. So the actual bone on bones, you can have. Um, but do you, you think you think this is because of the, the the falls, the amount of falls and everything? I, I think it's just the. I mean, judo in some ways is a very unnatural, um, a lot of unnatural movements. So just uchikomis for example right rotating in rotating out rotating in just evolutionarily people aren't meant to do that motion over and over and over and our joints aren't equipped to deal with just that chronic stress of uh, this very unnatural sort of mo sort of motion right so mm -hmm. um if you if you're contorting your body and your vertebra are rubbing against each other and create a stress which then stimulates growth and then uh, that can sort of reinitiate more contact and the process can kind of uh, just cascade onward uh, it can it can pose you at just risk for damage later down the line mm -hmm. um, so I, I mean it, it's also tough right because with back pain you can get MRIs um, but in medicine we uh, there are two real measures of uh, how likely something that you see is actually uh, real or not. Sensitivity and specificity that we typically use. And so sensitivity meaning if something is wrong, what's the likelihood that a particular test is going to detect it? So for example, let's say you had a uh, ACL tear. If I did an MRI of your knee, let's just say it's 95% sensitive. 95% of the time, the MRI is gonna get it if your ACL is torn. Then you have another metric called specificity where uh, it's if I see something, well, what's the chance that that actually is um, real and actually, and actually the problem? So with back pain, for example, I could image your back, and even if you didn't have any back pain, 
I could probably identify some structures that were that would look just aberrant on on an, on an mm-hmm, image, mm-hmm. but in reality, they're actually not doing anything. And so with back pain, the latter tends to be the issue. And so, yeah. yeah, that complicates things. So who knows? I mean, a lot of people have back pain and we don't actually know if what we see on imaging is actually causing the pain. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Uh, shoulders is also another uh, very important um, uh, type of muscle for judo because the amount of pull and everything. And I've seen a lot of people yeah. getting injury also uh, show the injury very common as well. Absolutely. I mean, r- rotator cuffs are, are common. Labral tears, I think, is probably uh, less appreciated, but just as common in judo. Just the, the cartilage you have in your shoulder, especially with throws like Taitoshi, Morote Sayanagi, Uchimata, where you're leaving your arm in almost this... Uh, this position where you're placing a lot of stress on the joint and like you're doing flies or something in the gym, you don't have a lot of muscle just because you don't have much torque there. And so it places the shoulder at risk for getting hurt. So absolutely elbows to a lesser extent feeding as you know, ankles, Mm -hmm. it's a rough sport. Yeah. But one thing that I noticed with the good players and uh, over time, because I started late, right? I started uh, three years ago. I was, already uh, uh, 44 when I started. Uh, so there is a lot of things that when you start young, it just is so much better because, you know, when you are young, you, you're not really afraid of doing things, right? So you just go for it. And judo, yeah. judo requires a lot of commitment. Uh, and I noticed that many times I just freeze on that final commitment, right? Um, because because of those things, right, in, in my head. Because for people that really go for a throw, they use the power of the entire body to do that throw, right? It's, it usually works that way. If you just, just try to muscle up, you may throw, but uh, you're going to put a lot of effort. And the whole idea, as you know, of judo is less effort, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, and... And sort of using um, using effort in a smart way. So, if, for example, if you're going to do a deadlift or something, you're going to engage pretty much every muscle in your body, right? Um, and but if you're just going to try and bicep curl that weight up, you're not going to you're not going to be able to do it. So it's it's a lot of the time using less effort because you're using your body in a very kind of harmonious yeah. way or at a opportune time to shift your yeah, that's momentum. Yeah, that's why I've seen some small guys throwing big guys just because they have such a good technique. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's um, yeah, it's really beautiful. I think to watch. I mean, guys a lot better than myself are. I mean, it's just. Yeah. Yeah. The other day, the other day that we time. were uh, shooting at the Hidden Gin, I mean, you you lift me uh, effortless, and I. I'm 200 pounds, right? And uh, you are way less than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, you'd be able to do the same thing to somebody that was 400 pounds, you know? It's, it's, it's the uh, hip position, man. The hip is everything. People don't, re- it's the hips. people don't realize how important the hip is. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's... For both, for I mean, judo and jiu-jitsu. Because jiu-jitsu uses a lot of hip, too. Yeah, 
That's a good point. And I, I didn't quite appreciate that until I really started going with these just high level BJJ athletes. So I mean, I was rolling with uh, Igor Pavia and just, I remember thinking, wow, it's this, what I would try to do to somebody standing up in terms of just where I'm going to place my weight, where I'm going to time my movements and, and sort of just direct my body. He, he was able to, to do that just so, so, so gracefully on the ground where I, I didn't even have a chance. I was just, yeah, the, the, the uh, amount of pressure, I was trying the to amount of pressure exactly. is ridiculous. And it's a lot of hips and balance, just like standing. Um, I'm not as good on the ground. And so it was harder for me to appreciate it for a long time. And as judo guys, we don't get the opportunity to go with high level uh, BJJ guys all the time. But man, I mean, something else. But did you, when you were practicing judo, did you do a lot of Nawaza or you never really was a Nawaza guy? <laughs> no, I, I was never that good at it, to be honest. Uh, it's a regret I have. Uh, but I, I mean, some guys are just able to kill it down there and win a lot of matches that they otherwise wouldn't have. But, yeah, I uh, noticed that. I noticed I that the Japanese they are they invested a lot in the Waza for the Olympics. I watch. Yeah. I watch some of the videos of them training. They cross training with BJJ uh, this time around, which is pretty cool. It's it's a good point and something that I mean, we should all be we should all be doing uh, Brazil especially. <laughs> uh, I don't I I forget exactly. Um, who said it was one of the judo coaches? Maybe it was uh, Flavio Canto. Oh, Flavio. Said yeah, that. Flavio, yep, yep. Yeah, um, people from people from uh, Brazil or Brazilian athletes. Uh, he said, like, we should never be losing on the yeah, ground. Yeah, because yeah. Because of he, and he, all the access. He, he is had, absolutely so. right. And and uh, sadly, on the Olympics, we lost some some matches uh, uh, on the ground, which uh, is pretty shame because uh, we, every judoka, every Brazilian judoka should dominate the ground for sure. And, Fla and, Flav oh, and, and, and Flavio, Flavio is amazing on the ground. Yeah, he's incredible. Yeah, it's, uh, and you can see it just, yeah, like you said, Japanese are just, their game continues to evolve, right? And I mean, I feel like they kind of went through a little bit of a lull back in, I don't know, 2000 and, I don't know, eight, nine, ten, eleven, where they didn't, they didn't quite look as good as they, maybe two thousand eight, nine, ten. They didn't look as good as they had been for a long time. Um, yeah, but now they have Ono, then, which is already cons <laughs> considered the the best judoka of all times. Yeah, the guy's a monster. I mean, and and, and not just Ono, um, uh, Abe, right? So. Six six kilo, but the but kilo. Ono man is one thing that I notice about Ono is that he trains a lot with weights. I've seen him doing uh, one arm roll with one hundred and sixty pounds, uh, one hundred and uh, yeah, one hundred and sixty pounds. I mean, it's a lot for that guy or that size, you know. Yeah, and I and I hear he. Uh... He just, I mean, typically, right, when you go with a, a, a Japanese judoka, really high level, they're just very, they're known for being very flowy, right, very technical. Um, I was talking to one of my friends the other day, uh, his name's Kyle Takeda. Uh, he's a really good judoka. 
Um, he he had had the opportunity to train with Ono oh, really? wow. um, in Japan. Yeah, before he had made his, I think, first junior world team. So before he had really kind of jumped onto the radar. But the first thing he said was the guy is just uh, a monster. And you gra- he grabs you. And, and yeah, his technique's obviously amazing. But physically, he's just so strong. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, and, 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 you and have... I've seen a documentary about also... Uh, it was really focused on the flexibility that he has for his uchimata because he's, he he touches right. his head on the on the ground. It's crazy. I mean, he goes all right. the way a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, and he's he's not a tall guy either, right? But he's still bombing everybody with this throw. Um, yeah, I mean, it just seems like the guy just doesn't lose. It's uh. Yeah quite something in your opinion going back to your experience and just uh, being around so many uh, people why we don't really have uh, a constant good judo team for the olympics in u.s because this year this year was not really good right i mean other years we we did okay but i mean we don't we are not on top three all the time right um yeah, it's a good question. I've, I've thought about this uh, quite a lot, and I, I, I change my mind every once in a while. Uh, I think for one thing is just uh, in a lot of these countries, their their population um, may be smaller, uh, but judo is more popular, and um, just the amount of national training sites is geographically um just much much closer than in the u.s right where you have to drive well uh, but yeah at the same time i i I think about bjj right bjj arrived in the u.s way later than judo and now you have way more bjj academies than judo uh in the i mean just uh, just in in my uh, town here i can can count at least five bjj academies and probably one judo so it's it's right. huge the the difference we probably in the DFWA we probably have more than ten or twenty BJJ academies and probably three judo ones. So why yeah. BJJ gain that much of momentum if it is not even an Olympic sport, right? You think about that. Yeah, I mean, I I would think that just because of just the UFC and the Gracies, right? Um, you have this this guy Royce Gracie who just goes in and and sort of proves to the world that Brazilian jiu-jitsu is uh is the thing to do if you want to fight right and so that kind of it's you, you have the people who just want to be the best martial artist they can doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu but then you also have the type of people that can appreciate oh wait a minute it's not just the biggest strongest guy that's going to win a fight it's going to be the guy who trains and puts in the time and is clever in terms of just figuring out creative solutions to solving problems. Um, and so you get people that are interested like that. And then now I think... There is, there is one other in... aspect that you are not counting on that many people that I, that I interview in the past and, and that I talk with, they, they also emphasize BJJ was way since the beginning they were really good on the marketing and commercially speaking right they they know how to do business right uh if you think about the amount of gyms that we have today 
they have a curriculum, they have a schema, the, the student goes, he knows exactly which belt, what he needs to do uh, in order to get the next level. So there is a curriculum. And from yeah. the marketing perspective, that's pretty good. People, people want that. Uh, and, and judo many times is like, well, you don't really have a very well established curriculum. It's not very clear uh, how things go. Even the tournaments, uh, they mix up people with different belts. Uh, something that never happens with uh, BJJ, at least going through the IBJJF, right? So there is this aspect as well. BJJ was able to to commercially uh, do better. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um, I'm less familiar with all the kind of commercial aspects and the advertising and everything. Um, but I mean, I'm sure you're right, and I'm sure just the sort of aptitude they had for kind of capitalizing on the fact that uh, Royce and the Gracies were so, so successful. I'm sure it was purposeful, right, in terms of um, using that as an opportunity to kind of propel the sport forward. I mean, in many ways, that's exactly what kind of uh, inspired Royce to to go fight in the UFC, mm -hmm. right, was to advertise Brazilian yeah. Jiu-Jitsu. And to, pr and um, to prove that the martial arts was effective, right. uh, regardless of yeah. the size. And I think too, I mean, in judo, it's just, it's less comfortable a lot of the time. I mean, standing up, right? It doesn't feel good taking falls. It's, it's more dangerous in terms of injury and uh, the likelihood for it to get injured. And so, I mean, there's a, it's a sort of, it's a perishable uh, time, time frame that you have that all of a sudden you're going to stop having to get in to take falls. You're going to stop being able to do rendori mm. and i think in jiu-jitsu you don't have to stop quite as quite as quickly as you would in judo um yeah but the, the, there is one uh, advantage in judo at least from the uh, uh uh the career perspective is that you can train and aim to go to the olympics which is everyone's dream when you are an athlete of uh, olympic sport right and the olympic is the is right. really the main thing everyone wants to be there and every parent that has a kid that is practicing a sport, swimming, running, or whatever, they were like, they at some point they might say, "Wow, can you imagine if he could go to the Olympics?" Uh, we don't, we don't, we don't Absolutely. have BJJ Olympics, right? So, I, I think right. judo has still has a lot of potential to to grow more and more. Uh, and I noticed that during the Olympics, people were going more to the gym, you know, getting more interest. We have we had more people joining. Uh, which is great, uh, but um, we, we still have uh, some some room up, room up to go. Now, the other thing that other people uh, also talk about is that um, there is no incentive in judo uh, like you have for wrestlers, right? It, not every single university you ha you don't have like a uh, uh, scholarship for judo for the most part. I mean, there are s probably there is a one school in here in Texas that has. Uh, but I don't. We don't hear that very often, like you have for football, like you have for wrestling, right? Yeah, um, but at the same time, I don't think jujitsu has many scholarships too, yeah, right? None, so that <laughs> hasn't. So, so maybe that's that that contributes. But at the same time, uh, jujitsu's managed to kind of continue to gain popularity, and I think judo is too, but. Um, clearly, you don't need scholarships in order to uh, continue to 
just incentivize and and and, and, exactly. and, uh, and improve the quality because uh, we already I, have a lot of uh, good BJJ athletes in US a lot. Right. Yeah, I mean just the, all the Danaher guys, mm -hmm. right? Uh um I mean yeah, Gordon Ryan all those. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I think the gi probably too. Um in in America, right? You can you can start off doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu and with the with the sort of um the plan being just to do no gi if you wrestled mm -hmm. and you do MMA, yeah. right? I mean, and Brazilian jiu-jitsu is obviously just it's better for mixed martial arts than judo is. And so probably get a lot more people that recognize that and go into I'm it really too. happy that Kyla is changing this uh, because Kyla is doing really good in MMA, just like Ronda did. I mean, Ronda was uh, right. Ronda was using judo all the time when she was fighting. Yeah. I mean, I, I think just uh, without a doubt, judo is, is helpful for MMA and can be a huge asset and um, particularly, I think it's unique in terms. So, this fight coming up with, between uh, Islam Makachev and Dan Hooker. Um, last time Dan Hooker uh, lost, he fought. It was a Michael Chandler, right? This wrestler who who ended up uh, clipping him, but he he was worried about that takedown, right? And and uh, Chandler, he he. I mean, obviously he's a good wrestler, but he has the threat of the takedown that primarily comes from the shot. Um, but with a guy like Islam Makachev, who comes from this, um, just he's from Dagestan, uh, train, trains with Khabib, and uh, he, he can just, he's got excellent judo, right? So he does a lot of Ochigari, um, he has a lot of throws, he also has the pickups and the leg attacks. And so it just adds another element to be able to get your opponents down to the mat, where if they're worried about a sprawl, well, you're going to have more to worry about if you can throw mm -hmm. and then you can use that to implement, which I think is just the, the best, the best finishing arsenal to have, which is Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. So I think together they work really, really yeah. well. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, now let's uh, change gears a little bit here and talk uh, about uh, your new channel, uh, bad boy medicine. So what is this about? <laughs> um, you know, uh, one of my uh, a good friend of mine, who was my roommate in medical school, uh, we just started this channel about uh, combat sports and health, and trying to merge the two, and and using using health and and sort of uh, research and um, just approaches to it to improve performance in combat sports, and that was that was sort of what we set out to do, and the the stupid name that we picked was just <laughs> kind of a silly silly way to i don't know emphasize that and so just named it bad boy medicine and then uh but yeah just hoping to bring education about um combat sports and and sort of a uh like tutorial like fashion in addition to bringing um education on how, what you can do to just if you have an injury to prevent injuries various things related to combat health so uh concussions um weight management, cutting weight safely, um, supplements, uh, just using evidence-based research to get the most out of your workouts, stuff like that. Do you believe that also, uh, since, since um, I'm not sure if this is something that you learned uh, at um, 
on, on school but when you are cutting the weight and you are getting more leaner do you believe that the likelihood to get injury increases because you are eliminating water you are um, you know you are more susceptible for injury yeah um, I, I mean I think yes is the short answer um, I mean your the synovial fluid in your joints right that the fluid that lubricates your your uh, where the two surfaces articulate and allows them to move freely uh, I mean it's it's synovial fluid right it's it's it comes from it, it's dependent in in some aspects uh, on hydration status I mean there's a school of thought that thinks well are you at more uh, a greater risk for withstanding a, a greater uh, traumatic brain injury impact if you're dehydrated and have less of the uh, CSF to cushion your just central nervous system in your brain. Um, I mean, yeah, I think I think cutting weight, and I think just anecdotally, teammates that I've had have been injured more when they've been cutting, and you can ask, well, is that confounded by the fact that they may be pushing themselves harder or overexerting themselves? And uh, I don't know, but I, if I had to venture... I, I, per guess, I, I personally... Say, yeah. The, uh, every time that I get injured in some way, shape, or form, is always when I'm cutting weight. Yeah, yeah. so it's uh, I I convince myself that I'm just more susceptible, uh, mainly because uh, in bodybuilding we really cut weight. We need to be very dry. <laughs> uh, it's different than losing a weight for a fight, right? Because you, you usually you use just water weight. For the most part, right. and usually due to competition, you wait in one day before the fight, so you have you still have time to recover, which is not the same thing yeah. in jiu-jitsu. In jiu-jitsu, you wait in right before you went uh, you went to the mat. <laughs> right, but but the day before weigh-ins are are somewhat of a double-edged sword, though, because you can cut more weight now, right? So if you let's say I could cut ten pounds the day before. And then I normally would, wouldn't be able to fight. I would just be too weak. But now I can have a night to rehydrate and uh, get back onto the mat and do a reasonable job. I would cut more weight than if I had to weigh in the same day. And maybe I would only cut five pounds, you know. So you, you may not fight as uh, quickly after you weigh in. But that allows athletes to cut more weight and still have it be effective, you know. So, so you, you you believe it's uh, it it can also be decremental. Well, so let's say let's say you uh, could pick your own weight class that you knew that you were going to be just at your best, mm -hmm. and you knew that you're going to weigh in the day before. Well, you could get away with cutting more weight than if you were to weigh in the morning of and fight, right? So, like for me. 66 kilos right 145 is what I fought um, I I could cut down from 160 if I had to wow. and weigh in the day before but I mean there's no way I could I could do that if that was same day weigh-ins I couldn't lose 15 pounds and then two hours later walk into yeah. the mic there's yeah. no way like it's just yeah. so I would just have to be lighter or to have to go up a weight so it's, it's just kind of depends how you look at it did you uh being on that situation that you have to lose 15 pounds from in, from one day to the other S towards the end of my career i was regularly cutting down from 160 um and so every few weeks or so i would i would have to make weight and i don't know three days out i'd be around 160 and just 
have to cut those last 15 pounds and <laughs> it sucks jeez yeah. i think that's yeah. terrible to 15 15 yeah, pounds in three it, days wow wrestlers jiu-jitsu mma they all it's an interesting little component of, of the sport i think in some ways that isn't isn't present in a lot of other ones um just adds another kind of layer of discipline and how bad do you really want this and and all that and i don't know how i feel about it but yeah makes it interesting and um nowadays you are keeping keeping the the same weight or you are heavier now yeah interestingly i i'm 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 the same weight uh as i was when I, towards the end of my career i'm still about 160 i'm probably um probably a little and less, you're probably stronger just, right muscle wise than you when you were it's funny you should say that. I think I feel stronger. Um, I, I guess it's that old man strength. Um, <laughs> everyone's always talking about. Hopefully, if I become a dad, I can get the dad strength too. But uh, yeah, it's. I feel stronger, and I noticed it when I went to go with my uh, friend Rodney. We went um, and was wrestling around, and then um, I was wrestling with just some like high school kids, and I remember thinking like, wow, like. I feel just way stronger than like this is a kid and and I and there's a clear difference in strength here and I don't think that when I was 23 I would have noticed that quite as easily. Mm -hmm. But do you feel like that the gas is still there? No, but <laughs> Oh, for me I know, but I'm also in, not in good shape. So, May, who knows if it would come back? I don't know. What do you think? I mean I mean, I I, I well... I don't have that much gas, to be honest with you. Uh, my, my cardio <laughs> for judo and BJJ is something that still need to improve, but it's not because I don't have cardio. I, I, I do a lot of HIIT workout, and I can hit. It's just because we're Ferraris. No, it's, it is. I don't control. I still do not control very well um, the momentum. I'm, I'm very aggressive. Yeah. I'm trying to do this a lot of things at the same time. So two minutes in, I'm already very tired because I use like go full power. And and Professor Leo always says, you know, go slow. I mean, feel the guy and then start to 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 do uh, some and, and save energy, save energy so that yeah. you can explode and then save again and then explode. You know, not go explosion all the time, right? So that's the part that I need to improve is really know when to explode. It's it's funny. I, I he uh, Professor Lair, He was. I asked him just uh, what he would do if he fought some just really like young athletic guy. And then he said, "Oh, I would. Just, yeah, whatever. I'm not gonna. He wants to scramble. I'm not gonna scramble. Fine. Like I'll take a stall in because I'm gonna. I'm smart about this. I'm gonna wait for my opportunity. It might not come in the first minute, second minute, third minute, but." Uh, when it does, I'm, I'm going to be ready. And it, it was just tell it was sort of the, the perspective that only a seasoned athlete that's been in the game can have, uh, you know, and not something that a 20, 21 year old is going to go out and yeah. right. I mean, I certainly wouldn't have been able to sort of have that level of, I don't know, just appreciation and, and perspective on the sport. I, I, I would go out there and just be very amped and just go, go, go and lose sometimes to guys who did yeah. have that mindset who were like okay uh, fine I, tough guy two minutes like let's see what you how, how you're feeling at three yeah 
And it's funny because I was watching during the Olympics a fight uh, between Onwe and, and some other guy. From, I think it was from Georgia, uh, the guy. I, he end, I think he ended up second place, something like that. I don't remember. But the guy came to him like a train. Like, is it Lasha, Shadalashvili? Yeah, probably it is. Uh, it's the second place, right? The guy that got second yeah, place. He, yeah. Did he get gold at uh, 2000 and? 12 or 8 I forget but yeah Lasha but and he went to Ono like a crazy maniac you know and Ono yeah. so calm uh, and without moving too much you know very uh, his posture never changed he never had a, a, a body language movement that was concerned and he just kept and boom explode so it's just freaking amazing how he can stay calm like that and in a second, you know, like a rocket, he just explodes and throw the guy. Unbelievable. It's it is crazy. Yeah. Some some of these guys are just they're freaks. They're just so good. It's crazy to watch. Yeah, it's just like a Roger Grace. Every time that I saw, I've seen Roger uh uh on huge tournaments like Roger against Bushesha he was extremely calm all the time, just waiting for the right moment. And mm -hmm. I think that this is a huge advantage for, this, for these athletes that are able to have a good focus and, and posture and breathe uh, and be totally. able to save energy for the right moment. That's, that's, that's a really important thing to do. Bustamante, another good example of that, just uh, so laser-focused and just as soon as the opportunity presents itself to strike either stand up or pouncing on a submission just just there without any hesitation just yeah. no emotions kind of preventing you from from being just anything but absolute in your attack yeah well, one thing that is beautiful about judo is is exactly that because many times when you are doing those combos like uh, Kouchi's and then you, you made the guy step back and then you go to the sail, it's a matter of seconds, right? Because yeah. that second is your opportunity to get in. So you that's why you have to be so explosive and that's the part that I still need to, to dominate. It's like when I go for a combo, I'm not really looking for the first one, I'm looking for the second one, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, it's a game of uh, milliseconds and millimeters. You know, what, it's just... What's that? What was, what was your favorite combo? From the Olympics or just... Uh, yours, oh, yours, your, oh, your game. Oh, mine. Hmm, um, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe uh, Uchimata to Sumigaishi. Yeah, that's a yeah, What about yours? I don't have a game a well formed to be very honest with you. I like to do to I don't to, believe to do, that. I, 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 I like to do uh, uh, Osoto Sasai or Sasai Osoto. Uh, that's another great one. Yeah. Yeah. Sasai is one that is working very well uh, with me recently, just because of the twist. I'm doing yeah. a good twist, and uh, and I'm being training also with Nick Del Popolo. He taught me some. Nice really good techniques for society it's really effective it works yeah i'm sure he's got great judo um especially just if you're in that like right on right or uh left on left position just 
flashing the Osoto, hitting the Sasai. It's just it's beautiful when it works. Yeah, it, it is amazing, man. I, I love jiu-jitsu and I love judo, but from the perspective of watching judo is just beautiful those throws when 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 getting in is just uh visually speaking is amazing yeah it's kind of I, i think so i love watching it um but i'm as i'm developing more knowledge for uh just appreciating jujitsu i i'm sort of finding the same thing with jujitsu as something that i maybe thought was less action-packed uh I, I'm now appreciating. Oh, wait a minute! No, it's it's the same amount of action, just different, and it's like more like a sort of chess game where you're. Yeah, it is. It is. It yeah. Can be ve- it can be very slow, but there are there are things happening there for sure. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, uh, uh, um, because judo over time, and you know that the rules doesn't allow you to stall that much, right? In jiu-jitsu, you don't right. really... It's, it's way more uh, relaxed from that perspective because uh, there are moments that if you watch, for example, the World's uh, Championship between two black belts, there is a lot of study that is done when they are entangled, uh, what is yeah. going to be the next move. So a fight can be, can be stalled like for 30 seconds 40 seconds one minute it's not not really moving a lot that that's never right. happened in judo because you get you get a shido <laughs> it's it's kind of like chess i think jiu-jitsu is more like chess than judo i think uh i mean sometimes what you want to do is try to stalemate and sometimes what you want to do is five moves ahead of time force your opponent to to be into a position where you're gonna you're going to take a pawn and then you're going to have a slight advantage and then you can take another pawn and then you can take a knight then you can take a rook and then it's checkmate i think jiu-jitsu is more like that than judo yeah, yeah and i agree it's more yeah i agree totally totally all right austin uh that was a really cool great conversation uh likewise you're yeah, thank you was, for having me on i'm honored seriously yeah it was great man i i really and i'll be seeing you in dallas for uh, dallas invitational because i'm going to be going up there with uh one of one of my athletes oh really you have one that one yeah. guy that's gonna compete uh-huh yeah just one but we're gonna go up there together uh, uh rodney shepherd so uh, keep an eye out for him that's cool that's cool yeah i'm i'm excited it'll be my first tournament uh, after the injury uh let's see how it goes i mean i i really want to to do well but at the end of the day uh, i'm gonna use the same concept that master carlos gracie once said that you you never lose you either win or you learn right uh beautiful yeah. i love it yeah exactly so it's so true man it's so true and uh when you look at it that way sometimes losing is the bigger win you know yeah sometimes you many times you learn more losing than winning to be honest with you absolutely yeah all right my friend thank you very much again for your time appreciate it uh good luck on the bad uh boy uh medicine <laughs> Uh, I think uh, I think it's a <laughs> great you. channel. I think uh, the content that you are putting together is great, and I'm looking forward to to see more. Likewise, man, and um, uh, appreciate you having me on the Overcome Podcast, episode 45. I uh, just really appreciate it, and uh, yeah, it's uh, I like what you're doing as well, and I'll try to spread the word too. Absolutely. See you, see you soon, Ian Dallas. Take care. All right, man. Take care. Bye. Bye.